0: Welcome to this podcast from the Vessel Collective Church here in the heart of Texas. Our mission is to be vessels of the living Christ, set apart for his purpose and his kingdom. We thank you for sharing in this message here today. Merry Christmas. There we go. Thank you so much, Serena. I appreciate that. You know, sometimes I I feel like we have like some telltale signs here at the vessel on the Lord and His presence, and one of them is technology. It's like guaranteed on mornings, man, where worship is just really good and really strong, the enemy wants to come in and mess with our technology. That thing was flickering all morning, but it didn't worry. Can we thank this team for leading us? It's awesome. Thank y'all so much. Well, good morning and welcome to The Vessel. If I don't know you, my name is Jake and I have the fun of serving as a lead pastor here at The Vessel. Uh, And thank y'all for being with us however many days out from Christmas. This is the 20th, so we've got five more days. Is anyone not ready for Christmas? Jana's not ready. Y'all are not ready? Like, you, more decorating? My kids, just last night, we went and looked at Christmas lights and they said, Dad you need to put lights up on our house. I'm like, no, I'm not putting lights up five days before Christmas. I should have, but I haven't. But anyways, so I love singing those carols. I know that sometimes people feel like Christmas carols are not the most worshipful songs that we do, but I grew up, one of my favorite Christmas traditions was going to our Christmas Eve service every year. We were part of this, uh, Methodist church in our hometown. It was the same church my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents went to. And I love going to our Christmas Eve service every year. And so it was really special for me. And so speaking of, um, in four days, we have our Christmas Eve service right here in this room at 5 p.m on December 24th. So I really, really, really want to encourage you to come. It's going to be just like this. We're going to be spread out, um, socially distanced. It's a great opportunity for you to invite a neighbor, a friend, if you have family in, uh, to bring them to our service. And it's going to start at five o'clock. We will be wrapped up with under an hour. We're going to sing some Christmas carols. We're going to tell the Christmas story and, um, yeah, worship the Lord. So, and we'll even have candlelight. Believe it or not, they let us have candles in this room with a wooden floor. When the wives, said, sure, you can do that. The first time we did Christmas Eve service in here last year. I mean, there were a lot of people here and we'd lit those candles. I was like, man, the sprinklers might go off, but they did not. So It was great, so I really encourage you to be here. If you would, um, if you are on Facebook, we also have an invitation on Facebook, so you can select that you're going and you can share that on your page, and it's a great opportunity for you to invite neighbors, friends, and that sort of thing. The other thing I want to talk about before we jump in this morning is our Christmas tree. As you guys, if you've been here through Advent, uh, our Christmas tree has grown a little bit week by week. It started uh, our first week with just a tree, and then last week, we asked everyone to bring ornaments. And so you can see our tree has been decorated with ornaments. So thank you guys for that. These little ones here, Serena uh, brought today. If you don't know, Serena's like the craft queen. So she was like, we needed just a little bit more. So she made these little uh, toothpick ornaments that are awesome. So thank you, Serena. And then this week, we ask everyone to buy gifts for a ministry that we uh, have kind of known and been partnered with. It's called Walking by Faith that serves women that are in homelessness and that are coming out of incarceration. And so these are gifts for them. So if you have not done so yet and you have gifts this morning and you want to drop off under the tree, you can bring those up at any time. So thank y'all for bringing those. Yeah, come on up, Dora. Y'all give Dora a hand. Thank you, Dora, for bringing gifts. I have so many books up here, but as we start this morning, as Dora's putting our final present under the tree, I I talked last week about how much I hate decorating the Christmas tree, but I love presents. Like I love gifts. It's one of my favorite and not getting gifts. I know that y'all are laughing thinking, of course he loves gifts, but I love giving gifts. I get super excited about it and I'm terrible at keeping secrets. Like I'll buy gifts. I'm like Shay, we should give the kids a gift early. Like let's give them one early. she's like, no. And then she wants my help, and I'll go on Amazon or wherever. And she'll be like, can you you know help with buying kids stuff? And I just start getting things. She's like, okay, you've helped enough. That is enough. They don't need that much. But I'm terrible about keeping gifts a secret, except from Shay. I'm good at keeping gifts a secret from Shay. But this year I made a mistake. As we have two, we have two cards. We have a credit card and then a debit card. And so our credit card pings Shay anytime a purchase is made. And I spent on the credit card and it pinged her. She's like, oh, what did you get at Best Buy? I'm like, oh, great. Nothing. So I've tried to throw her off the scent. I was like, oh, something I need to return. It's nothing. So anyways, and one of the best gifts I ever got her when we were poor and first married. So all you newlyweds in the room is that I got her a coupon book with a staple in it. It had like free car wash. It had Uh, I don't know, just various things, and it was really good. So that's my favorite gift I ever gave Shay. So um, thank y'all for bringing those and for filling our tree and filling it with gifts. So our focus, as Reed and Micah uh, said, as they read our scripture for this morning and prayed for us, is on faith. Each week of Advent, we have been focused on a character, and this morning our focus is on Joseph and focus on a word, and that word today is faith. And so um, I'm going to read our, our story today from Matthew chapter 1. And as I've read every week, I'm going to be reading from the Message Bible. Mr. Gary is going to play underneath it. And the Spirit is, and as we, we get into this, uh, I want you to think about a story that you've always known. I want you to think that, that this is a story that every year we read And it's really familiar. We know the story of Jesus. We know a baby that's born in the manger. We know the songs. We know how it goes. But as we engage, that's been my prayer for us here at The Vessel, is that we engage in the Lord. And Reed and Micah said it perfectly when they prayed, is that Reed prayed for proximity. And man, I just thought that was perfect. This idea of proximity to Jesus that it's easy to just breeze through the Christmas season and, and to do all the things. And on December 26th or 27th, I feel like you need a nap. And if one thing COVID has done is it's given us an opportunity to pull back just a little, to slow down just a little bit, to take a little more time. And as Reed and Micah said, to have a little bit more proximity to Jesus. So today... As we look at the birth of Christ, we're gonna look at it through the eyes of Joseph. And why Joseph is a man of faith, and why faith plays such an important role in the story of Jesus. So God's word says this, it says the birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they enjoyed their wedding night, Joseph discovered that she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph, Sharind, and Noble determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. While he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves, because he will save people from their sins. This would bring the prophets' embryonic revelation to full term. Watch for this virgin will get pregnant and bear a son. They will name him Emmanuel, Hebrew, for God is with us. Then Joseph woke up. He did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream. He married Mary, but he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby. And he named the baby Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much proximity God proximity to you God that you are the king of kings and the lord of lords creator of heaven and earth God the alpha and omega our father our savior the great counselor the prince of peace wonderful God mighty father and God we have proximity to you God to know you deeper, more intimate than any other person on earth. God, that you know the hairs in our head. God, that you knew us before we were conceived. God, that you knit us together. That you created us in your image just as you created Jesus. God, I thank you for Joseph. Joseph historic biblical character that in a way we can all relate to the faith required for us was the faith required for him. I thank you that he said yes. I thank you that he was a man of faith that trusted you, trusted your word, trusted what you called him to do. God, and his faith was alive. Lord, that he adopted Jesus as his own. That he gave him his name, God with us. God, we praise you that your word became flesh and dwelt among us. You sent your son as an infant born out of humility to two teenagers to save the world from their sins. God, I pray for this morning. I pray for your word to be alive and active. God, would every word spoken today be breathed out by you. God, would you speak to our hearts. God, would we seek proximity. And God, would we understand the faith that you call us to. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Gary. So this is a story, as I mentioned, that we all know really well. And I think that faith is appropriate for um, Joseph for many reasons. Um, I, I think that as we look at scripture and especially the New Testament, we see these characters that are there. We see Jesus and the disciples and we could see these moments in these act of faith that the disciples take. We think about, um, we think about Peter that gets out of the boat. I think about Jesus standing on the water, calling him, out, calling him out by name, and he steps out of the boat and walks towards Christ. And I think that we look at those stories in, in, in a way we can relate and understand intellectually what faith looks like, but honestly, I think that Joseph is more relatable to us because while we see Peter stepping out of a boat onto the, the waves in an act, in a moment, and a literal step of faith, he was called out by Jesus in the flesh, But Joseph was a man of faith that was believing God for things that wasn't in the flesh, at least not yet. And so what I want us to do is to take a look at him. Um, This, As Reed said, if you watch Wednesday Wisdom, as a secondary type character that feels secondary, but is crucial to the story. And that we see because of Joseph's faith, the prophecy of the Savior is fulfilled. And so in our scripture in Matthew uh, 1, 18 through 25, I want us to look at a few things uh, at Joseph's faith and what it looks like. So first and foremost, in Joseph, we see that faith, we, f- we see his faith in agreement. We see his faith in agreement. In verse 21, it says this, it says, she will, this is the angel speaking to Joseph in a dream. It says, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. And all this took place to to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And so this idea and this moment of this angel uh, of the Lord that came to Joseph in a dream, calling him to give Jesus his name was really significant. It was kind of the key uh, and kind of central to what Reed taught about in his Wednesday wisdom this week, is that when Joseph names Jesus, Again and again in the story of Christ and the Savior at Christmas time, we hear the words that he will be called Emmanuel. His name will be Jesus. He will be called God with us. But when the angel meets Joseph, the angel tells us specifically, and you are to give him this name, that you are to give him the name Jesus. And this is significant for two reasons. First, Uh, this is a moment where Joseph officially adopts Christ, adopts Jesus as his own son. That because Jesus was not uh, of his own flesh and blood for a true adoption to happen by him giving him his name, it signifies him adopting him as his own son. And therefore the second most important thing, and maybe more importantly, it fulfills a prophecy, A a prophecy that's gone back for generations And the prophecy that the Messiah is to be from the line of David. You see, Joseph was from David's lineage, not Mary. And so without Joseph's official adoption of Christ, that Jesus would never feel the prophecy, the Savior would never fulfill the prophecy of coming from the line of David. It's a prophecy that, that goes all the way back to David himself hearing it in Samuel chapter seven. In Psalm 132, again, we hear that God promises that David's throne and David's ancestors will rule forever. And it's this prophecy that's being fulfilled through Joseph. And so it's by faith that Joseph adopts Jesus as his own and agrees with the Lord. You see that this angel coming to him in this dream is significant, but the the act of faith that Joseph has to take is what truly makes Christ from the lineage, lineage of David and makes Joseph be his father. And so when we think about agreement, I want you to know there's power in agreement. And so as we, this morning, as we consider the role that faith plays, not only in the Christmas story, but I want you to think about the role that faith plays in your own life. And so we can all consider like, oh, I'm a person of faith. I have faith in the Lord. And so what I want us to really look at, what does that mean in your life? And what does that look like in your life? And so this idea of agreement is really significant and powerful. And if you, uh, if you know, Hebrews chapter 11 is uh, a scripture in the New Testament uh, to the, the Hebrew Church, and it is it's it's a chapter on faith, and it says this in Hebrews chapter eleven verse one. It says, "Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about we do not see." I'll read that again. Hebrews 11, one, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. And we read through this chapter. And that the writer lists, scripture lists person after person after person that agreed with God through faith. And it's these Old Testament characters, and we look at how noble and how righteous they are because of their faith in the Lord. It says, by faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command. It says, by faith, Abel brought God a better gift than Cain. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life continues on. It says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark for his family. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that would later receive his inheritance, by faith, all of these people did what God called them to do. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was considered to him faithful and who God made the promise through It says, by faith, Abraham, when called by God, when when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child. By faith, Moses, when he grew up, refused to be known as, a Pharaoh's, as the Pharaoh's son. And one after another, we see these people of faith. And I want you to know that what's significant and what, these, what each one of these people in Hebrews 11 has is this agreement with God, is that they're agreeing with God. And Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 says this. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers here on earth. And I love that idea as it was their faith that they agreed with God about things that were in the distance, that were far off, that hadn't yet come to be. So when we consider this story of faith and we consider this Joseph as this great man of faith, I want you to consider what it looks like to agree with God for something that's far off, something that's in the distance. Because this is the faith that was required for Joseph to adopt Jesus as his own. This wasn't a well thought out plan. Joseph uh, had agreed that he was to divorce Mary and was gonna do it quietly because he was a just man and didn't wanna bring her shame. This didn't make sense to the world. But every one of these people made a decision and an act of faith to agree with God. And I want you to know that for us as Christ followers, how powerful agreement with the Lord is and the power that comes in that. And so in in Shay and I's life right now and our family's life right now, uh, many of you know, but uh, Shay's mom is battling cancer. She has melanoma. Uh, She was diagnosed a year ago. She's going through treatment at Indy Anderson. In the last year, has been really hard. And Shay, I don't know if you remember exactly, but it was right before Christmas that she had her first treatment, that she began this journey of battling cancer. And man, it has been a roller coaster. We've seen, I mean, Shay and her mom were air flighted after some craziness went down. They've changed her medication, they've changed her back, and we've been on this journey. But I want you to know that as much as we've been praying for her, the power is in our agreement with the Lord. That by faith, we're asking God to heal her. By faith, we wanna see God bring full and complete healing to her. Not by doctors, not by advancement in technology and research and all those things are really good. But when I think about faith and I think about agreement with God, I wanna agree with a God that can heal. And there's power in that. And there's oftentimes our lives where we will walk up to that line. We walk up to the line, but, but it's so scary to step across into this agreement with God over faith. When the doctors or whoever it is or the world says that this can't be, to say, no, I'm gonna step across that line of faith. I'm gonna agree with what the Lord says and I'm gonna agree with who he is. So we see that in Joseph. We see this great man of faith that, that, that agrees with God. And by him giving Jesus the name, He's agreeing with what he's been told. So not only do we see faith in his agreement, but also we see faith in his actions. We see faith in action. Verse 24 says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. And so true faith, true faith in the Lord changes our behavior because of our faith in Christ, because of the faith in what we're believing God to do, it changes how we behave and how we act. And we begin to take action based off the things unseen. The things, as Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 says, are far off in the distance. And think back through, uh, through Hebrews chapter 11 as it lists all those people. At some point, Noah, he had faith in the Lord for this coming flood, but at some point he had to pick up a hammer and he had to start building He took action based off what God was telling him. They hadn't had rain in sight. It was foolish. People thought he was crazy. There's no way, but yet he still took up a hammer. He still got the wood. I don't know how you build a boat. I guess wood and nails and hammers. But he took action and he began to behave because of what God told him. Think about the Israelites when they stepped into the Red Sea. At some point they had to step into that wall of water. And a, a literal step of faith, a literal step of action, trusting in the Lord for what God had called for them. And James, James teaches about this very thing, about faith and action. Uh, and in chapter two, in James chapter two, he raises this question about faith and action and faith and deeds. In James chapter two fourteen, he says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? And I want you to know, there's a lot of this going on in the American Christian church. A lot of actionless faith. A lot of us gathering and talking about the things that we believe, talking about the truths of Jesus Christ or what God has said or his word, but that has no action. This, uh, this past week, I met with a young man who's going to go and God's called him to go and be a missionary. And um, it's a really cool story, and he's someone that I've known for a long time, and God has called him out to, to go and to give his life to be a missionary. And ask anyone that God is calling into ministry right now, as hard as it is to be in ministry in the middle of a pandemic, it's harder to be called into ministry during the middle of a pandemic. So here it is, and God's calling him to go and be a missionary and to go reach unreached people. And he said yes to this call, and he's begun support, support raising and telling people, and he's got an organization and ascending church, and it's really cool to see what God's doing and what God's calling him to. But meanwhile, his family, not only are they not supportive, his family's mad. They're upset and they're angry at him for this calling. And they look at him and this call that God's gone his life to go be a missionary, and to them it feels extreme. It feels silly. It feels irresponsible and here it is and he's been called out by God to go and to share the gospel with unreached people and his family is not only scared but they're they're angry with them and like that's too extreme. Like it's okay to believe in Jesus. It's okay to have faith in Christ but don't get all crazy and think you're supposed to do something with that and there's more of that in the church than I think that we realize and I want you to know that faith without action is dead. Further along in James chapter two, and I'll read from the message Bible because I love the way that Eugene Peterson translates it. In verse 19 and 20, <clears throat> says this. says, do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then you observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that but what good does that do to them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works into and not end up with a corpse on your hands? Man, isn't that powerful? That we try to separate our faith and our, our action. And, and as, the, as, as the translator, Eugene Peterson, as he translates it, asks the questions, do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands. And I wanna extend a warning to you, church, and this isn't to the vessel, this is the, the church in general. I wanna extend a warning that if we're not careful, our churches will become houses of lifeless faith, of faith without action, and they will simply become gathering places for theologians, know-it-alls, and the moral elite. And that is a scary situation as we look out on the landscape of, of our church to think that that's what we're doing and I know that this may see, seem extreme but it's not that far of a reach uh, the Eugene Peterson the the translator of the message Bible if you know anything about me I have a Man, massive man crush on Eugene Peterson. He is my hero. Uh, and he's awesome. And if you don't know anything about him, you should research him. He's amazing. And so for Christmas, we went and saw my mom on Friday. My mom sent me on Friday night. And so for Christmas, she got me this book. It's called uh, A Memoir of the Pastor by Eugene Peterson. Has anyone ever read this? Sean, of course you have. Pastor's kid. Come on. Of course you have. Uh, But it's a a memoir that he writes about his his journey into becoming a pastor and God's calling his life to be a pastor. So if anyone in this ministry, even if you're curious, you should read it. It's really good. And I say that I'm 39 pages in. Let's be honest. I'm totally and completely biased because I love Eugene Peterson. But in the intro, because I'm only 39 pages in, he says this about this idea of lifeless faith. He talks about his call to be a pastor and it just really resonated with me. Like he never, he said, he didn't even know it was happening. He didn't know God was calling him to be a pastor. It kind of materialized out of nothing and everything at the same time. Because he said, as he grew up and he grew up in the church, his family was faithful. They were part of this kind of, this, this church in the middle of Montana that was a bit, this kind of romantic town, but really wasn't like an inner city or, or a suburb. It was just th- this little town in Montana. And he said that he never saw pastors in that high of regard, he said, I just never saw him with that. And he talked about the rotating doors of pastors at their church, they, that just pastors would come in every two or three years. And it made me think about, and as I was looking and researching this week about this idea of lifeless faith. And he says this, he says, I concluded that pastors, quote pastors, basically came to kill elks with their Winchester .30-06 rifle and to catch rainbow trout on dry flies. They came and went regularly from our church. Two years was the usual tenure, three at most. They arrived and left like migrating geese. Some headed north to Canada in the spring, where the conditions for adventure were congenial. Others south to Mexico in the fall for the winter warmth and solace of sun and sand. Nearly everything of what they talked, preached, and taught had happened someplace else. And it was always glamorous remarkable miracles and visions and conversions that had happened someplace else. And man, if we're not careful, our church are gonna be stories of old. They're gonna be reminders of what God did years ago. And when we took action in faith, and if we're not careful, that's what's gonna become. And that's what we can turn into. So I wanna encourage you, church, to consider what action and faith look like together. And we look at the life of Joseph, this this great man of faith. He was a man whose faith had action to it. And this, this angel visits him in a dream. Now we know that this isn't the first visitation from an angel in the story of Jesus, but this is the first visitation from an angel in a dream. You see, when the angel came and told Mary of her pregnancy and the miraculous conception, it says by name, the angel Gabriel visited her in the flesh. When, when, when Zachariah was visited by the same angel, Gabriel visited him in the flesh. But Joseph's experience was different. It says that the angel, unnamed, a lot of scholars and theologians think that it's Gabriel. I don't because I think they would have said. It says an angel visited him in a dream not in a visitation in the flesh. And every one of us has crazy dreams, right? You have these dreams and you wake up and like in your mind, they make sense, but you start saying them out loud and you're like, this is crazy. As I'm speaking, this doesn't make any sense. And it will be easy for Joseph just to dismiss this as a crazy dream. Okay, my wife, she's gonna be pregnant. I'm, he's gonna be the son of God. Man, I had a crazy dream last night, right? And dismiss it as that. And I don't know if anyone in this room or anyone online through Church at Home has had a dream that that's been from the Lord. And I've had it happen three times in my life, three times in my life that I've had a dream that I felt like was specifically from the Lord. And I want you to know it was different. It was different, it was powerful, and it was significant. But here's Joseph that has this dream and this angel visits him. And what the angel tells him goes against everything that he knows. He says, your wife is pregnant. How can she be pregnant? She's a virgin. The marriage has not been consummated. How can she be pregnant? Well, she's, he, she's, she's pregnant from the spirit. Okay, that makes no sense. That's crazy. I've had a crazy dream. And whatever it is, but it goes against everything that he knows and everything the world says. There's evidence in Scripture in John chapter 8 that this rumor of a Roman soldier pregnating Mary went on. And you can see people tease Jesus, say, at least, hey, I know who my father is. Do you? And this suggestion that Jesus is this illegitimate son. And so Joseph is justified in his actions to divorce Mary. It says he, he, he was a just man. He intended to, to divorce her quietly. And sh- biblically, he was justified to do so because she, in the world's eyes, had been unfaithful. But Joseph was a man of action. He didn't just hear this dream and consider it, but he took steps of faith. And, and the truth is, is that Joseph was an ordinary man like you and I. Mary, as an as she was, she was an ordinary, broken, sinful person like you and I. But there were people that took steps of faith, one after another after another, small steps of faith, not knowing the outcome, not knowing what would happen, not knowing what it would look like, one after another steps of faith. He took Mary as his wife, a step of faith. He took his pregnant wife on the back of a donkey to Bethlehem as a step of faith. He delivered his son in a manger, in a stall as a step of faith. You ever think about the Christmas story? There was no doctor or midwife there. Who was delivering that baby? Joseph. He named him Jesus. God is with us as a step of faith. And he adopted him as his own by faith, by a step of faith. So I want you to know that what faith looks like is faith looks like action. And we see this in Joseph. We see the actions that he takes. And the last thing that we see is we see faith in waiting. Not only do we see faith in agreement, faith in action, but we see faith in waiting. And I know what you're thinking, like faith in action and faith in waiting do not go together. Uh, but as important as an action is, sometimes waiting is, is the more, is what God is asking us to do. And oftentimes waiting is harder. Waiting requires more maturity. And as Shay reminded me, we were talking about this last night, she she, she reminded me of this. Waiting is still a verb. Waiting is still doing something, even though it doesn't always feel that way. And this can be really difficult for Christ followers. It can be really hard to wait for the Lord and to be patient. Verse 25 says, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. And while, Jesus, while Joseph obviously took steps of faith, he also waited on God. Think about it, Jesus didn't begin his ministry until he was in his thirties. So for 30 years, Joseph was his dad, was his earthly father. Think about the things that he did. He he changed his diaper. He taught him about the birds and the bees, right? He taught him a trade. He taught him to be a carpenter. He took him up in his arms when he was hurt. He tucked him in at night to bed and laid him to rest. For 30 years, Joseph waited for this prophecy, for, for Jesus, the son of God, to be completely fulfilled. And there's waiting in that. And this can be really difficult for us. And this can be one of the hardest things we do. As Tom Petty says, the waiting is the hardest part. Tom Petty fans? Thank you. Amen to Tom Petty. And I love Tom Petty. While there's no evidence that Tom Petty was a Christ follower, there's a lot of wisdom in Tom Petty's words. And so laugh as you will. I started listening to that song, man. The waiting is the hardest part. So I started listening to it this week. So then I took a step further and I looked up the lyrics that I'm going to read now. Sounds the Lord didn't drop a light on my head for quoting Tom Petty during church. It says, Oh baby, don't you, don't it feel like heaven right now? Don't it feel like something from a dream? I mean, I can imagine Joseph singing this to Mary, right? Yeah. I've never known nothing quite like this. Don't it feel like tonight might never be again. Baby, we know better than to try and pretend baby. Baby, no one could ever have told me about this. Yeah, yeah, anyways. And then it says, the waiting is the hardest part. Every day, you see one more card. You take it on faith. You take it to the heart. The waiting is the hardest part. The brilliance of Tom Petty, rest his soul. But the truth is, is we can relate. We can relate. that One of the hardest things we do in our life is waiting on the Lord, and I want you to know that, that as Christ followers, it never gets easy as, as Christians and as people and that sometimes our waiting can get discouraging. That by waiting on the Lord, that we can become discouraged. And if we're not careful, waiting on the Lord can become destructive in our lives. If we're so impatient, we're so eager for what the Lord has next, we miss what he's doing now. And if that's not the story of 2020, I don't know what is. And if we are just standing here waiting for the last week for this stupid 2020 to be over, man, we're crazy. We're missing what God's doing. And we've got to be careful because waiting can become discouraging and full-blown waiting can become destructive in our lives. And the trouble that we run into is that we, as Christ fathers, when we try to force it, and we try to force God's plan to happen in our timeline. And that's a challenge of the Lord. The Lord doesn't work through space and time like we want him to. And I often have said this before is that when the Lord sees our life, he sees the, the macro. He, see, he sees the whole thing. He sees before you were born. He sees after you're done. He sees eternal and he sees what you're becoming he sees what he's 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 shaping you into he knows the destiny he has for your life he knows the plans that he's laid out for you he knows how he created you to be he knows the gifts that he's given you he knows how he's made you and he sees the whole picture but we don't do that as men as men we tend to look at the micro we look at the last 3 months and we look at the next 3 months If you're like me, you'd look at the last three days and the next three days or three weeks. If you're like Gary, you look at the last six months and the next six months. But the point being is we see the micro of our lives. We see where we are now and we have a hard time seeing beyond that. But God sees the macro, he sees the whole thing, the whole kit and caboodle. And the truth is, is if you don't like waiting, you won't like following Jesus. I can promise you that. Romans 8:25 says this, 24 and 25. It says for in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they've already seen? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Understand that patience is a fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's fruit of the Lord working in our life and the spirit alive in our our life. And I want you to know, how do you exercise patience? How do you bear patience in your life? By waiting. And God is always gonna call us to, to bear patience, to bear that fruit of the spirit in our lives. Romans 8 continues. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his will. In verse 30, and those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Is that following Jesus Christ is a process of becoming. And part of that process is waiting. And as we, as Christ followers, and our faith in Jesus, as we mature in our faith, there's going to be more waiting. It's not that we arrive one day. It's not that we get there and we've arrived and now all the things happen and all the things fall into place. So a lot of times following Jesus is a waiting game. So as we close this morning, as we think about our own faith, as we consider the manger in the face of faith, I want you to think about those things. I want you to think, first of all, and consider what it looks like for your faith to be in agreement with God. And what is it right now that God is asking you to agree with him in? What is he doing in your life? What is he saying? What does he put on your heart that, that you need to agree with? For me, that's my, my mother-in-law being healed. that Sue Ann being healed by the Lord. And I'm agreeing with that. I don't care what doctors say. I don't care about melanoma. I don't care all the statistics. I care about what the Lord says and who God is. And I agree with him in that. Maybe God is stretching and growing your faith in action. Maybe there's something that you need to do and you need to take a step in faith that you agree with what he's doing. Now you're waiting for him to lay out the path before you and then you'll walk down it. But what God is saying is step by step, I will not let your foot slip. And maybe what God is calling you to do is to take a step in faith. Or maybe he is asking and calling for you to exercise your faith in waiting. Waiting for what's next. And you know what? He might be doing all those things at once. He might be asking you to agree with him. He might be asking you to take a step of faith and he might be telling you to wait. So what I want us to do as we close is I want to pray over those three things. So what I'm going to do is I'm to, in a minute, we're going to bow our heads and I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to pray for each one of those. I'm first going to pray for agreement. Second, I'm going to pray for action. And third, I'm going to pray for waiting. And what I'd like you to do is if one of those resonates with you, I want you to stand. And if you're at church at home, you can stand in your living room. And I want you to stand, and I want to pray over you. And by standing, I want that to signify you saying yes to identifying what the Lord is asking you to do. So if you would, pray with me. Thank you for joining us this morning for our service. We are publishing content throughout the week for Church at Home through our social media and website. For more information, visit www.vessel.church.